All right, welcome to episode four of the FCG podcast. Here again with our co-host, Connor Benjamin, and we're very excited to have a very good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Ryan Donovan, the head men's golf coach at San Diego State University. Uh, we go way back, just so everybody knows. We, we did play college golf together at San Diego State, and uh, lots of lots of good memories, and he's been one of my best friends since, since then, so... Uh, good to have him on the show and talk a little about college golf, and thanks for being here. Thank you. Good morning, guys. Oh, man. This is, it's always fun when you get, you know, I mean, I mean Coach Ryan, like, you've been in the industry now for 20-plus years, like, you've been a touring pro, you've just about done it all, like, in the golf industry. Uh, I guess I just kind of wanted to touch on the first is, you know, what kind of made you want to become a coach in the first place? Like, did it kind of feel like destiny, or did, or, or was it kind of something over time where you just felt like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Yeah, I got a little bit, bit lucky, to be honest. I was uh, catting and parking cars on Arizona after my mini tours um, that I was very unsuccessful at <laughs> and realized that golf wasn't the path that I wanted to pursue. So um, I had the opportunity to come back as the assistant coach, went to Mickelson, took the head drop at USD. Yeah. A lot of history there. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> It's it's actually quite interesting because like the two of you took a very different path. You, you, you know, like after college, Chris went into the teaching route, and then you went into the coaching route. Chris, what made you get into the teaching route as opposed to the coaching route? Like, did it ever cross your mind that you wanted to kind of go down that route? Um, not not initially. I think now I'm more interested in the coaching route than before. But I I kind of fell into teaching. It was just I had an opportunity at the Stadium Golf Center to do it, and I found out that I liked it, and it was. Kind of went from there, um, but I don't think that was ever a, a goal to be a be a college coach. But he does such an amazing job, and I've been able to watch him with. I mean, how many teams have you had now in twenty years? Twenty years, a lot of players. For sure. Twenty years, a lot of players. Um, yeah, so it's fun. And we've I've always picked Ryan's brain too. On if we go back to the early part of starting Future Champions, um, I don't know if you remember this, but we started. Our first season was called the FCG Challenge Tour. I don't think you probably even know this. I wasn't even alive for it. (laughs) (laughs) And our goal was to set it up really hard and make tournaments really hard so that the kids would play other big tournaments better. Um, And it worked really well. But (laughs) uh, parents got a little frustrated that we set them up so hard. And then you found out that, you know, the junior golf rankings – the rankings were going down because the course was so hard and they were shooting so high. But if you look back at that, that class of players from that year was unbelievable. Who, like to this day, who's, who's playing like big golf? You know, I think that was probably part of it. So it's fun that we, we started that, and then we had to pivot <laughs> and, and switch it up a little bit. So yeah, because a lot of times when we go to these junior tournaments, they have them set up, you know, playing from the white tees, or all the pins are in the middle of the greens, and obviously the scores are better. It's not, it doesn't relate to coming to college because the courses we play are tough and the pins are tucked and, you know, all those different variables. So we thought it was a good idea. <laughs> Maybe at too young an age. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Do you find that to kind of carry through? Do you find the junior golfers who have been almost cobbled in a way to play these easy courses, you know, like these easy setups, do you feel like that's not really a true indication of, you know, like when you're recruiting players, do you do you try to go to these hardest of the toughest tournaments, you know, where they're not afraid to stuff pins and they're not afraid to tip you out at 7,200 yards? 
do you like to prioritize who you recruit based on what tournaments they play? Or like, what are you looking for in those recruits? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you want to see guys shoot low scores, so it's it's okay to play an easy course, but you want them to you know shoot low sixties. Um, but then when you have Torrey Pines, for instance, you know you have a hundred plus coaches out there because it's tough and it really exposes you as a player. So you really get to see kind of where their game's at and where it's going to be on a college level. I think it's a combination of both. Um, but yeah, going to the U.S. Junior, you know, those type of USGA events are, are great for us to to go to just to really just see where their game's at. Definitely. Absolutely. I feel like uh, me growing up as a junior, I, I kind of grew up a little bit outside exposure because I was, I came in from Australia, very outside of the radar, didn't play any U.S. tournaments, kind of a unique situation, and kind of came back and played a slew of tournaments uh, over the uh, summer of 2018 and happened to get picked up, you know, like on the radar, sent out a bunch of emails. Actually, my uh, my, you probably got an email from me because my entire strategy was uh, I, I went on Wikipedia, Googled uh, every D1 coach in California and sent an email to every single one of them, just like, hey, here's like who I am. I've been playing these tournaments. I've been shooting 71, 70s, da, da, da. And just so happens I got picked up by California Baptist, and that's kind of how I came in. But um, I always felt like, you know, I played a Twin Oaks, I can see this ranch, kind of those easier Courses and I feel like my my kind of saving grace was I played out at the vineyard and um, you know had a terrible front nine felt you know obviously first time playing in front of a college coach me being 16, 17 years old having no idea what to expect got really nervous uh, you know first hold it you know first hold the vineyard that short little par four up the hill mm-hmm. hit it to like eighty yards out and then probably just missed the green with like a long wedge in hand and you just and I'm just and my dad's over there on the corner just face palming himself to death because his son has done all this work over the last 17 years he's going to do this in front of a college coach the, you know the first time he comes out um do you feel like nerves are a natural part of like watching a college coach do you ever feel the do you feel like you almost like emanate this sense of pressure you know like on the kids like while you're watching them yeah for sure it's interesting i mean i, I try to tell kids when i'm recruiting i was if you see a coach try to embrace it and wave and say hi and thanks for coming out just to have that bond as opposed to like, oh my God, he's watching every shot that I'm hitting and what's he thinking? And, and, and half the time we're, we're not watching every shot, you know, we're just kind of seeing the demeanor of the player, more of their attitude and how they bounce back when they do have a bad hole or a bad shot. Um, so a lot of it isn't looking at every every shot throughout the whole 18 holes. Um, so we try to take that pressure off the kids for, for that part of it. That would have been great to know about <laughs> four and a half years ago when that mattered. Yeah. But um, what traits? So obviously, you know, you, you kind of touched on, you know, like demeanor and attitude. What traits do you look for in particular for players? For us personally, I mean, we're looking for the growth of the player. Um, maybe that they haven't reached their ceiling yet and that we're like, oh, this guy, if we get a couple years under our belt, that uh, he can really, really take off. So, um, looking at somebody that's just hungry and strives and wants to play golf and wants to play in college and um, just loves the game, you know, I think uh, has a passion for it and isn't forced to do it. So, I think those are things that we look for. Um, confidence, I think, helps a lot too. Um, somebody that's, that's somewhat confident out there and comfortable hitting a bad shot and not, not um, worrying about it too much. Um, and then short game, I think short game is important to look at. But that's hard to teach when you get older. Um, so I think that's something that we really try to look for is good, good 
Too good players, really. Definitely. Um, so, kind of throwing it back to your guys' college days, um, and like obviously you two played together. What? And I'm going to throw this question to both of you. What do you feel like the dynamics were in the team room? Because obviously, golf is a different breed when it comes to collegiate golf and or uh, sports, where you are competing against your teammates for spots. And then you have to turn around three days later and go be on the road with them and, and like bunk with them and cheer them on and try to fight for them. In your guys' experience playing college, what did you learn the most about team dynamics and how do you bring that, you know, like in your teaching today? Yeah, I think um, team dynamics and chemistry is very, very important for the team because even though you're out there on the golf course competing and trying to beat each other, when you're done, you're done. And even seeing the pro level, it's like some of those guys are best friends and they're trying to you know, beat each other when they're out there, but then when they're done, they go out to dinner and hang out and do those kind of things. So I think learning how to separate the two um, when you're in that competition mode and then when you're outside of it to kind of let that go and, you know, remain friends and support each other and pick each other up and, and try to teach each other and things of that nature. I think if you can separate the two, it's, um, it's a pretty good dynamic. And I think our group, we had, we still talked to a lot of guys on the team and um, have remained friends over all these years and uh, can still banter a little bit back and forth and, Tell funny stories, and um, it was a great experience. And like Chris said, I mean, best friends from for those, those years, so it's pretty cool. Definitely. And then Chris, what about you? Like, how do you feel like your dynamics from your college days have kind of trickled over into your teaching now? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the college golf is unique and different for everybody, right? Like, everybody doesn't have the same experience. My experience wasn't the most... <laughs> Uh, positive in the end. I think I had a decent little run early, but then you know I didn't play that great, and then ended up getting cut later on. So I think for me though, what that whole team experience did was I wanted to help kids get that experience and do it right, since I did it wrong, and that's what I've been doing so my whole career. So I think it's just a little different. <laughs> so. Interesting. So Coach Donovan, you know we've you've been head coach now for SDSU for twenty years. Walk us through some of your most memorable moments as coach of SDSU. I mean, obviously, you've clocked, you have three All Mountain West players, uh, including JJ Swan, who's currently on, on the pro circuit. Uh, you've coached, obviously, Xander Shoffley, who top five, ten in the world right now. Uh, you've come top 15 in countless national championships. I, I, I'm dying to know what are some of your most memorable experiences coaching SDSU. <laughs> Yeah, there's been there's been quite a few. It's been I've been very lucky. Um, obviously, when you have good players, it makes you look good as a coach. Um, so you just try to mentor them and support them. And I've always wanted to be a players coach. So I, I never want anyone to be intimidated, you know, from me or with my assistant. And we, we try to talk to our players and hear about their experiences and what they need and what they want. And um, I think opening that up and kind of creating a family culture has, has helped us a lot. Um, yeah, we've had some great memories. Um, obviously, I think Riviera going to match play, um, coming down the stretch there, the, the final eight there was, was pretty special. Um, I think our first national championship we went to, we had a guy um, get up and down from 100 yards um, to get us to go there. That was like my second year, and we practiced that year 100 yards in and the whole year. That's all we did. We didn't do any other practice except that. So we'd go out to Squan and just hit wedges after wedge and shoot them and track them. And, and uh, so it was cool to see that that reward after all the hard work that they uh, they put in. Um, so that was cool. Winning conference this last year was pretty special because it was a very senior group and going through COVID and whatnot. Um, 
it was cool for those guys to be down by 10 with nine holes to play and end up winning by five. So that was, that was really cool for the guys. Um, ZL making six birdies, uh, who Chris teaches, um, coming down the stretch was something I'll, I'll never forget. So, um, to see his excitement, but, um, yeah, I think see the, just seeing the guys together and their success and the ups and downs, um, and being able to stay in touch with them, I think is pretty rewarding. Now. I, I kind of like it because for me, I, I love the college dynamic because it is, you know, you have so many different experiences over such a short period of time. And I've only seen the player side so far and, you know, I'm still excited about my future and what, you know, potentially, you know, like even me being part of SCG in kind of a small way right now and slowly getting better is I really enjoy helping, you know, you know, like next generation out. I think that's what all three of us have here in common is we have this intense love for, you know, nurturing players up into their future because I did my junior career. Like I gave it up for a year and still regret it to this day. And, you know, obviously I, we all have our ups and downs from college. I mean, Chris, like you might not have gotten more of it than, uh, then uh Jonathan did, you know, I got something out of it. I didn't really get something out of it. It's, I don't know. I, I feel like golf is what you make of it. I, but I still feel like all three of us have this really intense love for the game. And that's kind of what drives us to do these sort of things as opposed to, you know, doing something else per se. I mean, I, I have a degree or I'm currently working towards a degree in chemical engineering. And I played with a, a graduate from Colorado School of Mines uh, in San Diego County Open. Uh, who I was kind of talking to, him and he was like, yeah, I graduated with mechanical engineering. I was like, do you ever have any intention of using it? He's like, no. You know, imagine graduating with one of the best degrees possible, and you're straight off the cuff. Your answer is, I had never thought of using it. And I asked him why, and he said, you know, it's because I love the game. I just I can't imagine myself at a desk doing a nine-to-five. You know, I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it because I love the game. After talking to him, it's it kind of rationalized a lot of these thoughts that I have going through my head of maybe I don't want to do a desk job either. I don't feel like I'm ever going to use my degree. You know, I want to eventually go pro at some point or I want to start teaching or I want to start coaching. It's like, it's, it's these thoughts and, you know, I guess coach Ryan, like maybe you could add on to this, you know, what it's very interesting for players who are getting degrees who might have no chance of using it. Uh, you know, obviously there's like a lot of talk of, you know, your, your, your top seven golfers typically know how to play golf and then your bottom five golfers know how to get good grades. <laughs> do you structure your teams kind of that way or do you just want all competitors and then worry about the GPA? Yeah, it's a balance. I mean, we take a lot of pride in, in getting good grades. I think it's important because it's just something that you have to work for and you're putting an effort into kind of like golf. So I think it's, it's cool when guys are smart and do well in school it takes pressure off when we're traveling and, and things of that nature. So we were, we're trying to recreate everyone's competitive and wants to be in the starting five. Sometimes, yeah, it does separate throughout the year. Um, and so you just try to have guys that know their role, that whatever that is on the team, if that's a support role, if that's a cheerleader kind of role, if that's uh, getting the group grades, you know, doing all the right things. So it's, I think it's a balance of all of it, for sure. But having the passion for the game is really important um, and not being forced to, to play it. I think Chris and I both, yeah, we don't have desk jobs, but we wake up every day and we're like, I don't know what I do. It's going to be different today. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what phone call I'm going to get. It's always those messy phone calls. Yeah, you're just like, oh, what's going on now? But um, I think having 
that passion and that feeling every day makes this job and that's why golf is such a great sport. And people can play it forever and at so many different ages, which is really cool. So we try not to take golf away from them in college and the fact that make it miserable. Um, if they're having a bad experience or maybe it's not the right place to play, we'll sit down and say, well, maybe you want to go to a different school so you're playing. But um, I think the most important thing going to college is picking the right school that you can play at and be pushed at. Um, because going to the school and sitting on the bench for all years is not fun. Going to the six day workouts, doing the study hours, you know, doing all the things that we demand to do that and not be able to go on the road and compete and be with your teammates. Um, you know, that's the most valuable thing in college, I think. And to that story, it's easy because obviously Xander's had so much success, but he could have went to a lot of big name schools, um, but he wanted to play every college event. And so he went to Long Beach his first year. I didn't offer him enough scholarship, so that was the dummy side of me. <laughs> <laughs> I look back on him and be like, oh, really? <laughs> I thought he was worth 50%. Uh, but, um, but looking back after his four years, even being there for the first year, he played every college tournament in four years. And he said that experience just transformed into the next level. It was no big deal. He had so many rounds under his belt, so many experiences, so many opportunities um, that it just felt like another day when he was going through high school and whatnot. So, I think that's important. A little bit of a school that you know you can play. That is a super fascinating point, and I always, I always like to tell my players that because it is. It's a really tough thing to experience when you know you've put all this work in. You know, I mean, for most of us, we start somewhere between the ages of two to ten, and by the time we get into college, we've been playing for ten plus years. And you know, I feel like a lot of the mindset of of junior golfers these days is to Play for the best school that you possibly can. It's like, I'm going to go for Harvard, I'm going to go for SDSU, I'm going to go for UCSD, I'm going to go for Long Beach State, you know, and, and then they get there and then they're a freshman and these coaches, I'm not trying to name names here, but a lot of them will have a slight senior bias and so these freshmen might get to play until their junior year and it's, they could have easily taken more scholarship at a slightly worse school, worse being it's not highly ranked, but if you're a good enough player, you can bump the ranks up. You know, I, I went to a uh, tiny D2 uh, after my years at Cal Baptist because of COVID, again, engineering. Um, and we were ranked 124th in the nation. And we grabbed a kid from Texas State. We grabbed a kid, me, and then we grabbed a couple of kids from JUCO. And by the end of the year, we were right inside the top third. And so it's like, I feel like, you know, these players... A lot of these junior golfers, especially who play in our events, who like I talk to, like, oh, Connor, I'm talking like Coach Donovan, I'm super excited. It's like, you know, it's, it's great if you get in, but what happens when you don't play for three years? Like, it, it takes a toll on you mentally. It's, and, you know, for me at Cal Baptist, I struggled with my, my freshman year. I really did. You know, I went through a massive swing change, and it sucks sitting on the bench. It just does. It's plain and simple. There's no way, there's no easy way. And it is, it's, it's tough when you go to a school that you might be reaching for it, and you get, and that's a super great, you know, super fantastic like, achievement, but you're not playing. And it's like, well, what have you done all that work for? You're not going to 6 a.m. workouts, you're clocking. I used to have to clock 20 hours a week in study hall. And so it's like, if you're not clocking those 20 hours, you're going to get caught. And what happens when you get caught? And then you either jump in the portal and you bank on some college coach picking you up. It's like, you know, 
when I could have taken and I thought that too. I was like, you know, should I have just gone to a D2 straight out of the gate that was engineering based? I was like, no, I wanted to play D1. That's the goal that I had in my brain. It's like, yes, I achieved that. It's fantastic. But it's also, you know, do I regret only playing 50% of my tournaments? Yeah, I do. I really do. I feel like my experience wasn't as optimized as what it could have been. So that's why I always try to tell junior golfers nowadays to, you know, go somewhere where you are going to play because you're going to have so much more enjoyment playing. And, you you know, all of these schools have fantastic facilities. A lot of them will, well, all of them have playing rights somewhere. You're going to play somewhere more than decent. You know, it's, you know but playing golf and I think touching on traveling, playing with your teammates is what makes, you know, like the college experience. Uh, Chris, like I know, you know, you mentioned your dynamics with your team and, uh, the dynamics with your coach. Uh, if you could go back, would you maybe play for a different college or, you know, or like, did you have your time enough to, to the point where you were like, no, that's good. I got started golf at 15 and a half. So I was a late bloomer. Right bloomer. Okay. I, was, I was just trying to get as good as golf, at golf as I possibly could. Um, and I got pretty good in my junior year. I think I started shooting under par late summer. Um, and then in spring, my senior year, um, I think I won like four mini tour events. Um, like on Mondays, I, I didn't go to school and, and won those. And then I finished second in CIF in San Diego and finished fourth in the regional. And I got picked up June 6th, my senior year. But my goal was to go to junior college and just get as good as I could. I, nobody in my family had ever gone to college, so it wasn't something that I was supposed to do. Um, so it was kind of on my own. And then I don't think I would have gone to state, state. <laughs> um, in hindsight. I mean, I would have done it different had I known what I know now, but I think the school was probably a little too big for me and like too much like, well, you're, you're at San Diego State. Like that wasn't my personality at the time. Um, and so I think I either would have been better if I had just maybe turned pro or if I'd just gone to probably anywhere else. But I had the right mindset for getting good, good at golf at the time, but especially just even just the, the education at San Diego State. I was in a classroom of 30 kids at Branch Park High School, and then all of a sudden I'm in a classroom with 500 kids, and they don't make you study. They just give you know, a test every, you know, every few weeks. Like, okay, I'll show up and take the test. But, um, I don't think I did that very well. So, um, yeah, here we are. Um, and also, when we came in as freshmen, um, the hard part of our team was we had a bunch of JUCO transfers and older guys, and so we were young. Yeah. Um, I mean, these guys were four years older than us, and they were mature and played and competed already, and we were kind of walking in like, what are we doing here? You know? um, so I think that was tough, too. To Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Great Let's guys. talk about, uh, I'm sure the viewers like here. So we played with Scott Piercy, who's now won how many times? Three times on the PGA Tour. Um, I always find it interesting I try to tell the story. He was good, but not I don't know if any of us thought he was gonna be on the PJ tour. And here he is today. He did. You, that's and that's what I tell all my <laughs> students is that he knew like in his mind he was gonna be a PJ tour player, even though the scores maybe didn't reflect it. He did work hard he always he did what he was supposed to do.
Um, yeah, it was just a demeanor more than anything. And, um, yeah, he did work hard, but it did the right things, but he had a path that he was, he was sticking to and staying in his lane. And nobody was getting in the way. And um, it took him a while. I mean, he did mini tours for eight or nine years, and he had a motorhome. He was traveling all over the country, and um, but nothing was stopping him. And that's why he's out there today. So, um, you know, good story. Yeah. <laughs> And a good guy, you know. He keeps in touch with us. He's going to be on one of the podcasts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good guy. And um, yeah, so we saw a lot of average golf from him in college, for sure. <laughs> I feel like we've all seen a lot of average golf from everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I'm sure BJ Turgros have their bad days as well. I'm sure, you know, I mean, Phil's been notorious for playing out the farms and shooting. 63 or 83, and there's there's no in between out there because if you're straight, it's great, and if not, you're on another planet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of wanted to, uh, to circle back to your guys' point about, you know, like why not freshmen? Um, you know, obviously, you have a freshman team right now, Shea Lag, ranked top 20 in the country. Um, what has he done to separate himself? Because obviously, there, there's always going to be that big learning curve in college. I felt it. I'm sure 99% of the collegiate athletes have felt it. What has kind of you know separated Shea out from the rest? Is it more of a mindset mentality, or is it just he's just got raw talent and just ready to play? What like what do you think are the best ways to kind of mitigate that big learning curve for construction? I think he was one that kind of stayed in San Diego, played in San Diego, won in San Diego. And I think when you can stay in your area and you're winning and building that confidence, you don't have to travel all over the country to compete. You know, you know, you want to stay on the West Coast and stay on the West Coast and play in those tournaments. And there's so many good players here in California. So I think he just had that winning mentality when he was a junior. Just has kind of transformed to, to where he is today. Uh, he drives it well, lets and chips it well, doesn't really get a lot of trouble. Um, pretty fearless out there, and again, he's not afraid to hit a bad shot. And I think that's so important these days because you can't do it perfectly throughout 18 holes. So his level of maturity is just very, very even keeled. He doesn't get up or down too too much, and um, you know, he just goes on and plays a game. He's very talented as well, <laughs> so, that, so that does help. But um, yeah, I think freshman just coming in with that mindset, like I'm going to play and I'm going to go through the qualifiers and just show my game and. And um, just let it happen. And you start building confidence. So I think that's going back to playing. And the more you play, the more confidence you have. And you're not afraid out there, like, oh, I'm going to lose my spot. What's going to happen next week? And just stay in the moment and, and just keep keep moving forward. That's all you can do. I like this story. I mean, he grew up a huge champion. He pretty much all they played. I mean, he played some other stuff pretty much locally, but he just got better every year. Like, played out at Singing Hills and Steel Canyon, and probably still doing the same thing today. <laughs> Yeah, really good. That's that's awesome. I had a question about what age do you start recruiting? Start do you start looking at them? Freshman probably in high school. Yeah, I mean I guess you know we hear names early on before that. Yeah, but um, I think freshman sophomore year because your bodies are changing and you're getting bigger and older, and um, I think it just for us we 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 get guys later than earlier. You know, yeah, we're not gonna say you seem to get them later. Some of the big big schools get a commitment and. Experiences in the USAM and the British AM. Uh, 
that's a long time ago now. Um, but I know you qualified for the USM twice at Virgil once. What were those experiences like? Is is the format a little different, you know, to like nowadays? Like, and more importantly, what did you take away? From yeah, I was young for that first one that I qualified for, Pumpkin Ridge. Um, I remember seeing Tiger Woods there, and I was like, "Wow, what am I doing here?" <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think the first putt in practice round, I fell off the green because the greens were so bad. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is going to be a great experience. Um, but I had my dad on the back, so that was cool caddying. Um, and I didn't play very good. I played okay at Pebble. I was kind of maybe going to make match play come down the stretch, but, but that didn't happen. Um, but anyway, just great experience. USGA events were, were awesome. And um, they're still running the same kind of schedule they are now in the same format. So it's kind of fun to reflect on that. But um, the British was great. It was just cold. I didn't have the gear to, to handle that. So <laughs> San Diego's are very boring. Yeah, out here. It was a little soft. Yeah, you know, like I woke up this morning. I was like, dang, it's like 45 degrees outside. It's freezing out here. And, and then, you know, like over there for the British Open, I'm wearing like four layers of jackets and you're ready to go out and play. Yeah. Um, where did you play at uh, the British Open? That's you. And you're going to ask me that. Presswick, Presswick, and I oh, couldn't remember. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. I had this point, this little wall on the right side of the first hole, and this train was going by, you know, 100 miles an hour. And you're just like, don't hit the train. Don't hit it over that wall. You know? <laughs> so you just smother them left and just kind of get out there. But um, yeah, cool experiences. Um, I caddied a couple years ago for, for a player at. Um, um, in North Carolina at Pinehurst. So that was another experience that I will always remember in a second in stroke play. And won his first match. In his second match, he was paired against another one of my players. <laughs> so it was so awkward. I said, I was 64 guys, then 32. I'm like, how did this happen? And the numbers weren't even really matching up in the sense of, you know, one plus 64, you know. It was like, it was kind of random. But um, that was a tough, tough one to, to go through. Um, but that, that experience for USAM was, was really special. And then we had a guy, Gun Yang, um, in 2014. We had four guys playing at this USAM. And jokingly, I said, I'll fly out if somebody makes the finals. Just kind of, uh, I mean, it's the best field in the, in the world. And um, all of a sudden, it's Friday. And, and Gun Yang's just beating people left and right. <laughs> And I called my work and said, I got to get to Atlanta. <laughs> so um, I jumped on the plane, got in at two in the, two in the morning. Um, he was wearing a different company factory-wise because he didn't have enough clothes. And so I had to go to my equipment room, get all this new gear for him because he was going to be on TV. And we had a representative who was, who was sponsoring us. So I meet him at six in the morning. It's him, me, and a security guard on the driving range because he wouldn't be there super early. And um, it was surreal. I mean, by the end of that day, there was thousands of people walking the fairways. And I'm like, this is happening right now. And um, he won the U.S. Amateur. And he was a guy who ranked 800-something in the country, um, was barely making our lineup. And just we had a long talk after Stanford, I'll never forget. And he um, said, I want you to go play every tournament possible, city college events, mini tour events, any tournament you can find. And he played in probably 20 events that summer. And again, just had that competition and started building some confidence, started playing better, and, and, and just took off. So it was crazy because he was struggling to get lineup. That summer, he was amateur, and you know, kind of changed his life for a couple of years. You probably 
we're going to leave him out of the lineup after that. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of yeah. a, all right, I think you're a few in right now. We can't really not have a great uh, U.S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, he, he took a year off and, you know, played against them, played all the majors, played a bunch of pro events, and then he did come back that, that next year um, and played for us. And that actually helped us. He made a he made a two on our final playoff against Texas A&M oh, um, wow. to, to qualify for nationals. So, <laughs> so that was pretty Pretty cool to see. That's about as clutch as it gets, honestly. I mean, Albatross on a par five just get to get your team into the house. It was, it was, um, it was a six iron right pin, and I'm talking to him. I just hit it left to the pin, middle of the green, you know, very conservative approach. You know, you got five guys playing, and uh, he said, I think I pushed a little bit. <laughs> and I said, You were going at that flag, didn't you? He said, I'm not telling. But uh, anyway, it went in, the place went static, so. So those are some of my USM experiences. Wow, that's incredible. Chris, uh, do you have any similar experiences in, like, these big events, you know, like with some of the players? I mean, obviously, you just went through corn curry qualifying with uh, Zihau. I mean, that was a huge deal. Do you have any other cool stories about uh, kind of these massive events? I mean, the USAM in 2017, I was on the bag for Joey Berzich when he finished we finished eighth in the quarterfinals of the of the USAM at Riviera. So um, lost to uh, Doug Gem, who's now on the PGA Tour. Um, but same thing, he was ranked 1600 or something crazy in the country and hadn't really done anything yet. But you know, we had a mantra that week of one shot at a time and don't look at don't look at who what their resume is. Don't look at anything. Let's just go play. And he beat he beat two really good guys, and that was that was probably one of my favorite moments. Yeah. Hmm. It's it's quite interesting because obviously you know like with uh, Good Yang being top eight hundred, Joey being top sixteen hundred, and these you know you can go on these super stellar runs. What for the two of you kind of dictates the beginning of that run? What really leads into that? I mean, obviously we're all going to go first, but what makes you take that next step and go, I'm just going to do it? Like, what for the two of you kind of leads into that mentally? And, and like, where do you as coaches influence that? I mean, I think it it stems from a couple previous experiences. You start building on some confidence. Um, you know, like for Joey, he had, he had won, the, or won the Canadian International Amateur, and then he, like, a few months later, he, he finished fourth in the Aaron Battle, and then a few months later, he shot 59 at uh, – Rams Hill just in a practice round, and then he just he just like kept doing little things like that. So you could see that it was coming. I think he was just building on some of that momentum and started to probably believe that he could do it. And once you start believing and you see it, I think you could kind of do anything. That's the beauty of golf is just a ball and you go into play. Nobody knows where you're going to hit except for you. Um, so if you get that confidence, I think you can do pretty special things. Yeah, I think. Um when you go to like USAM qualifier or whatnot, I mean, you gotta, you gotta get in the top 64, you know, so it's not like you have to have two of the best days ever. You just gotta be in it. And, and, and we always say, you know, being content with nine holes to play. So whatever that it takes throughout your rounds, you know, think about that and how am I going to get there? So if you're going to try to be a hero on a shot that could cost you a triple or you can lay up and maybe get up and down, you know, saving shots like that throughout the day. I think just help your momentum, and then all of a sudden you do make a birdie, or you make two in a row, and then you start getting that confidence that we talked about. Um, and playing fearless, really, you know, you just can't be afraid of it. It's like we're not getting cancer at the end of the day. And it's like it's a game, and so the guys that play with fearless, I think have more success than people that are so worried about. 
So having that mindset, I think, is, is huge. Just, just building that confidence is, is another thing. Very interesting. So do you find, as a whole, with your teams, I mean, obviously emphasizing that back nine contention, do you feel like there's a, a significant difference in their scoring average between the front nine and the back nine, or do those stats typically kind of reflect themselves almost and it's almost the same? Yeah, the consistent players, it's pretty consistent on both ends. They might get on a hot streak out one side and maybe not so hot the other, but um, since there's not a lot of ups and downs, if you kind of play that level, you see a lot of the same scores on, on both sides. So I'm, I'm curious because for me, I, I remember my old coach kind of used to say the same thing. It's like, all right, guys, back nine. And that's always been me as a player. I always, you know, I don't really like to hit a lot of balls before my tournaments. I like to make 20 or 30 just to get warmed up. And I, but uh, I've, I've been coined as a player who goes on back nine runs. And so I'll consistently shoot, you know, one even, one under, one over on the front nine. And all of a sudden on the back, I'll throw out like a 31. And everybody's like, where did that come from? And it's like, I feel like for me mentally, it's like that was the process that I got in was, you know, I just need to stay alive. I need to stay alive. I need to keep thriving and burning. And then all of a sudden, it's like when I get to the back nine, it's like a flip switch. Like, you know, like the flip switches, and it's like, okay, go. And you can just go and play golf. And it's like, um, you know, a lot of a lot of coaches will kind of emphasize that hot start. You know, they really want to get off to that barrel and hot start, but. I know in my experience, that almost cost me because I would get too aggressive and get over it. Um, you know, we talked with Rick, uh, you know, testing house a lot last week, a lot about that, uh, challenge versus skills. Um, and I feel like confidence does play a huge factor in, in talent-wise and uh, in, in, like, results, too, because if you have this confidence and you're barreling down, you know, you know, like 16 and you're one or two hundred par, you're like, no, I'm just going to shoot five hundred. It's like that, that's such a huge difference than for players maybe going, ah, I need to hold on, I need to hold on. You know, I saw this uh, a couple weeks ago in like one of our tournaments where a kid shot seven under the first day, blistering onto a lead, and he spent the entire second day just scared and trying to hold on to his cards. You know, it was just slowly just like par, par, bogey, par, bogey, par, par, bogey. It was it was him playing scared, and then he finally got to hold. 12, and it's an iron off the tee, and it's OB left and right. You could hit Longwich there and still have a 7 iron, and he hit 4 out of bounds. And it was like, it was just one of those mindsets that, you know, like, that he just got in where he's like, I can't hit a bad shot, I can't. And we have this reverse psychology almost where it's like, when we tell ourselves not to do something, we're going to do it. Uh, and I felt really bad, but, you know, I talked to him after that, and I was like, hey, look, you know, you shot 65. You can do it again, you know. You're, you know, and, and I had him go over his mindset for the two days, and he said, yeah, my, my mindsets were completely different. In hindsight, of course. Um, but it is, it's this huge factor of not being results-oriented, but being shot-oriented. You know, Chris, like, you touched on this thing, like, a lot, where it's, you know, like, with Joey, it was, it is, it's just shot by shot, take it one shot at a time, don't even worry about anything else. Like, I always like to Google my opponents, like, before I play them, because I get, I always get amped for so it's slightly different for me because it's like, oh, I get to play like the top 100 rank, you know, like junior in the country. It's like, fantastic. I was so excited to play that. Um, you know, I used to play match play back in Australia against like different clubs. And, you know, oh, this guy's like the best in the district. I'm like, okay, I'm going to kick his ass. Like, that's so much fun to me. Um, where do you guys find like the mental state comes in for golfers? And what advice like would you give to 
junior golfers or collegiate athletes trying to break through to that next level? Uh, well, from the mental side, um, I mean, you gotta, you gotta earn some of that, right? Like you gotta keep getting better and yeah, so, I mean, through tournaments, you'll, you'll gain that experience and you'll get, get better and start believing in yourself. Um, and I think you should probably play some tournaments that are maybe things that you should win and then see if you can, can win it. I think there's a lot of times people just keep trying to push it further and further up. And they just go farther and farther down the list on the leaderboard, you know. So I think it's good to play down a little bit and gain some confidence that way. Yeah, I think um, I mean you can see Tiger like Augusta, like he never was on to shoot sixty four the first round. You know, he's playing to he knows he has four rounds, in him, so he shoots he averages like seventy seven one that first round all the time, and then he just slowly kind of builds and builds, and then when it comes down the stretch, you know, he always kind of dominates. But I think um, not thinking you have to go out and shoot sixty four that. See you guys soon. Beautiful fun. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.